But he said, I just want to let you know that I lift weights with that kid three days every week in the mornings. I had no idea. And if Social Sentinel hadn't alerted us to what he was thinking about doing online, because that's where he was leaking that information, I would have missed it. And that bad thing would have happened. And I would have had to live with myself that I, you know, right, three days a week at 6 a.m. I'm with him and I didn't know any of this. From Vermont Center for Emerging Technologies, it's Start Here, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. On today's episode, we sit down with Gary Margolis, founder of Social Sentinel, to learn how this chief of police turned tech company CEO is changing the way we manage safety and security in the 21st century. Welcome. This is Sam Roach-Gerber and Dave Bradbury, recording from the Consolidated Communications Technology Hub in downtown Burlington, Vermont. Gary, Hi. This is so cool. What a great space. I'm pretty blown away. Welcome this to Visa. Well, thank, thank you. For the very first that time. That means a lot. Yes. We needed to hear that today. It's pretty incredible that an entrepreneur with so many people working for him now has not yet been here. So I know. I kind of wanted kinda, to. Like, would you come to an open house if we did something I would, like that? And I, I bow my head in shame that I, I haven't been here sooner. But um, it doesn't take away from the incredibleness that is VSET. Thank you. Wow. Very cool. Um, I guess we'll give you a t-shirt or something. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, Gary, let's start. What is Social Sentinel? What inspired it? So um, Social Sentinel is a service that um, universities and colleges and school districts across the country use to respectfully pay attention to digital conversations, um, specifically looking for indicators of harm. So uh, harm against uh, others, targeted violence, harm against someone's person, themselves. Um, you know, we, we, it was inspired by the fact that uh, an entire generation, you know, 10 or 15 years ago now, but let's just say today, an entire generation communicates nearly a, 100% through digital means, whether it's social media or email or, or sharing platforms. And uh, we also know that uh, leakage, this idea that when people are thinking about doing bad things, they talk about it somewhere, they leak it somewhere. Every tragedy you look at, just the, 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 the tragedy a couple of days ago at the synagogue in California, he, he leaked his manifesto on, on social platforms. I mean, so um, we set out to figure out a way to kind of identify that, understand it, you know, find it before something bad happens, either to someone else or, or to themselves. And that's, that's really the, the commitment. We're very mission-driven in that regard. Um, we have a really great team that's all about that mission, helping save lives and, and make a difference. That's amazing. And what inspired you to start it? Tell us a little bit about your background. So, um, yeah, so I went to the, you know, I graduated the police academy about 30 years ago. And, and so, you know, apparently everyone who graduates the police academy thinks about starting a tech company at some point. Um, Come so, on, really? Yeah, yeah well, real? look, you know, it was one of the courses. It was the Tuesday morning course on technology. And, I didn't know they and, had and, a yeah, course exactly. in that. That's who knew, fantastic. right? Exactly. Um, yeah, so I, uh, I, I, you know, I was, a, I was a police officer and uh, I was a police officer in South Burlington and, and here in Burlington for a little while. Uh, ended up at the police academy, and uh, when I graduated, uh, so I, I went to the police academy. I, I graduated college at UVM, became a police officer, and ended up working at the police academy for a little while as the director of, of in-service and basic training. Um, and then um, uh, got a you know a call that UVM was looking for a police chief. I had finished a master's degree at UVM and was well into my doctoral program, and uh, and decided I'd apply because it'd be a good experience and. You know, care for what you wish for, you know. So uh, I got hired as the chief of police at UVM by Judith Romaley when I was, 
God, that must have been 27 at the time. You know, I was, uh, you know, as such. So, um, and it was a phenomenal career and a phenomenal experience. What an I, opportunity. Oh, unbelievable. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I look back on it and think to myself, gosh, I was so young to be a Was it a management experience that, that you have taken away from at that Yeah, great question. At that time or more just the... Well, you know, I had management experience at the academy, but yes, I mean, you definitely, you know, I think my, my, my wife, who I was, um, had dated kind of before and then started dating again when I had transitioned, you know, at one point she said to me, you know, you're, you're different. And I said, well, I don't know. What does that mean? Um, and I think what it meant is that it just it's a different level of responsibility. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't going to the bars anyway because it was just not my thing. But you know, I certainly after becoming a police chief, you know, wasn't heading downtown for a beer. Just it just changes the your perspective. And I think the the kind of problems that we were dealing with just in general and the things that we were having to pay attention to just are you know serious. I mean, we have a whole population of of young adults at a university who are experiencing unbridled freedom for the first time and making decisions that for the most part are good decisions and on occasion aren't good decisions. And how do you support that kind of a community? So it just made me think a lot deeper about that stuff. I think that was one of the big takeaways. And and did you you get the kernel for um, Social Sentinel during that period of time or... Well, I guess actually, Social Sentinel. This is your third business, if by my count. Well, right? it's, I mean, uh, you had uh, the Margolis Healy Consulting, yeah. which I think when I first met you right. in August 2013, when yeah. you had a badge and a gun. Yeah, right. Uh, we met, <laughs> uh, and then um, you had a, a certain uh, another app. Um, we had an app that was a part of right Social Sentinel, and we transitioned to such. Um, you know, I think a couple of things happened that led me down this this path. Um, uh, first, I've always had an entrepreneurial interest. So, you know, I mean, I you know, I had a lawn mowing business. I, you know, when I was in college, I had a, dry, a laundry service. We used to, I used to have people go pick up bags of laundry from folks, and you know, uh, the gaslight laundry down on on Pine Street would. I had a pickup truck. I yeah, didn't know I was a laundry that's service. That's right. But they effectively would, that's was. right. They would they would uh, drop it off, fold it, and so I've always had a little bit of an entrepreneurial. I think, um, um, you know, bug, something that's always interests me. Uh, and, you, you know, when I was right out of the police academy and I was brand new as a South Carolina cop, I remember thinking, you know, the one of the, the guys that had been a mentor to me and he, had, you know, kind of called me into his office and I thought, you know, this is it. They give me my theme song, a cape, and my own car, and I go out and I save the world. This is where it happens right here. And, uh, you know, what he said to me was, if you want to be good at this thing called policing and you got to get out of your car and talk to people, you got to be be where people are. You got to be part of the conversation. You got to be in the communities. You got to be talking to the folks that are working the midnight shifts at the mobile station. I mean, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so that was important to me. And then, um, you know, several years later, I was well into my doctoral studies in in, in education at UVM. And one of my professors had said something in class that, you know, another one of those moments, um, he had said, if you're you want to be really good at being a teacher or someone who makes a difference um, in someone else's life, then uh, you have to meet them where they are. You have to you have to listen to them and be present where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know when the you know that old adage when the teacher's ready the student appears when the student's ready the teacher appears all of those kinds of you know little quips. So I had two circumstances where what I heard was if you want to be of value to the people you serve you have to be a part of that conversation. And so fast forward through my my you know career both. You know, I had a moment at UVM I'll never forget where we had a we had an incident. I was I had come in on a day shift. I was listening to the to the roll call briefing, and I remember thinking to myself, "Gee, that's really interesting. How did we know that? Like, that's really interesting stuff." And the sergeant said, "Well, you know, chief, why don't you go see the the midnight shift dispatcher? Where because she's the one who found it." So I 
I stayed up late and I'd been a chief long enough and had small kids. I think by the time, you know, past you nine o'clock, yeah. you know, I was like, you know, dragging a bit. But I stayed and I, I met the midnight shift and, you know, I'll never forget. She said to me, um, let me show you this thing called the Facebook. And I remember thinking, <laughs> what's the Facebook? And I need a .edu email address to join it. What's that about, right? So I was new to, you know, and here's an electronic bulletin board. And I'm thinking, what's an electronic bulletin board? And here's this thing called MySpace. And why is it open only after midnight? Right. right. I'm thinking, what is up with that? And so what I realized was a conversation was beginning to shift. And if you want to be a part of the conversation, you got to kind of shift with it. And so that really started. And then, I, you know, when I retired from UVM and started working with schools across the country as a consultant um, through Margolis Healy, we um, we were seeing, you know, tragedies and events that we were helping institutions and school districts work through that all had a link back to this digital conversation, some mm -hmm. kind of leakage or sharing. And, you know, I think, you know, you put two and two together. We started with a mobile app looking at, you know, identifying campus safety. And I think um, we then realized that that digital conversation was the, where we really needed to be focused in a way that was respectful. And so, it you know, it was that kind of that kind of evolution to, you know, um, get us to a point where we began to realize this is where the, the focus has to be, you know, along with some challenges that you have to, to deal with when you're focusing on paying attention to a conversation, so. So you've used the word respectful a couple times in, in sort of describing the company. Can you talk about sort of the importance of that? I assume it has to do with sort of privacy and that kind of thing. Yeah, we, you know, I, for 20 years, I taken an oath to defend the Constitution, both the state and federal. And, um, you know, I, I didn't I didn't leave my uniform behind to, to now trounce on those values as such. Right. And, and I have kids and they're teenagers and uh, they, you know, they use social media. I mean, I, I, I won't speak so much for maybe maybe all of you, but I know for me. Um, I'm old enough that social media is something that I learned to use, right? That digital conversations, email and such, and all of these online forums is something I had to learn how to use. M my kids uh, who are, you know, in the, my, 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 our son's graduating, you know, high school in June and our daughter's, you know, going to be a senior. They only know digital conversations. It's like an extension of their of their right. digital natives. They don't, that's it, digital native. That's, they don't know any different, right? Just to kind of what that looks like. And so a lot of those conversations are happening there. And um, it was important to me that whatever solution we, we built and created didn't surveil or monitor or follow or investigate individuals. That's just icky, which is a very typical, you know, very technical term, icky, right? Uh, just didn't <laughs> feel good. Um, I don't want to be surveilled and monitored as such. So we focused on content. How do you look at a billion conversations every day and identify that digital needle in the haystack? How do you teach computers to do that? You know, that's really the, you know, so, we, you know, we, we don't, we don't do that icky stuff because we don't believe that, you know, it's okay. And frankly, we think we can be very successful without having to be that, you know, and that's really the premise and the foundation for the privacy of our company, like what we do. And, and on the on the product side, are you are you principally out there in scan mode, looking to identify risks to then provide to a, a police department or a school system to then investigate further, or is it more on the forensic side, like something happened, yeah. let's find out why and look for the breadcrumb. Yeah, no, we're we're proactive, and so um, we decided to focus on schools. That's our that's our focus, K twelve and K -12. higher ed. Yeah, we don't we don't sell to 
you know, our services or provide them to local law enforcement or state or federal, or we don't, we don't do that. Um, and we are designed to be a proactive, well, like a, a smoke detector in many ways. I mean, as a, as a base, ana- you know, analogy, we, we, we sniff, we, we, we scan the content like uh, a smoke detector might scan the air in a room. And if, if we find something, we sound off and, and we provide insights and alerts and meaning behind it. And then the schools will then take that information and look into it further. So we, we give them access to something they couldn't possibly do manually. You can't look at a billion points of data every 24 hours and, and do it you know, without artificial intelligence and, and machine learning computers to be able to make that happen. So that's, that's really what we're about. And we look at a range of, of communication. So we, we we're able to scan uh, social media. We're able to scan email. We're able to scan. We have a, 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 a what's called a, sh- a share it product, which is our... Um, our tip system so the community can report into the school um, things that they're concerned about or crime tips or you know a student's depressed or feeling anxious and wants some help and reaches out and you know and the system will say well you know here's some contact for this person so there's you know we really create this digital this platform where all those digital conversations are 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 brought into so we can analyze them and give you a sense of what that client. So the school system would put you behind their their gmail suite if they were on gmail for example or um, on the social monitoring uh, aspect of it, is it an opt-in by the individual or by yeah. the school? How do you are you just sort of scraping the yeah the, the system? We, How's that we, working? Yeah, so um, early on, I, I knocked on the doors of the social media companies, which have been really great partners to us, and I said, "This is what we want to do. We we care about privacy. We care about the health of our students and our schools, and we think that you know we can really help make a difference in the lives of people who who may be struggling and who may be looking to harm other people." And and the social media companies, you know, they were like, "Yeah, like this is kind of makes sense, right?" And so. Um, we get access to the data feeds from the services that we scan. I don't need um, a list of, we don't need a list of students. I don't need individual account names. I, we're looking at public information and we're for looking at- For the geography. At, well, and worldwide. For, we're able to scan, yeah. you know, for example, you know, you take a school, like just because it's up the hill, University of Vermont, you know, we may be looking, or we are looking worldwide for, for threats that may be related to the institution. And when we find something and we can make the association, then we generate the insights. And so um, we look globally, but connect locally. It's, it's, and again, it goes back to having some really smart, um, you know, folks on our team. We've been blessed to have just, you know, across the board in every aspect of the company, some really smart, talented people helping solve some really complex tech problems. And, and how big is the team now? Um, I, well, I, we're, we're north of 50 because I, I know that because the HR laws change. <laughs> yeah, right. Congratulations. You've been promoted. <laughs> right, exactly. Now we're, yeah, and we've, um, you know, we're down on Pine Street and, um, uh, in the Innovation Center and, uh, we're actually getting ready to move our offices. We have new offices being built, so we've kind of outgrown where we are, so... Great. Um, great opportunity and still yeah. staying in Burlington. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Same yeah, building yeah. actually. Okay. We're just downstairs because the space opened up and we could do it. And so yeah, we have we've got some really, really good people who are really passionate about our mission, you know, and kind of what we're we set out to do, and and it means a lot. Yeah, and your your latest rock star I think is Rick Gibbs joining you as president. So grateful for for Rick. Amazing. I think everyone sort of saw that and was like, that makes sense. It's and nice like, you're taking a chance on him. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, well, I hadn't thought of it that way, but I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that uh, I, I reframe my thinking. I, um, yeah, uh, 
absolutely. Um, first of all, Rick is such an incredible guy. Like just just the salt of the earth, nicest guy. You know, he and his wife, Ian Bethany, and the kids. They're just good people. And um, you know, Rick was uh, one of our earlier investors, and you know, I I, I knocked on his door because I needed some advice, and one thing led to another, and we really you know hit it off. And and I'm I'm certainly very grateful for him because you know he brings a set of talents that um, frankly I'm aware that I I don't have. You get to a point where you know I, I know what I know about being maybe a subject matter expert about you know kind of the mission based aspect. Um, Rick you know, brings that whole component of how do you grow and scale a tech company? How do you, how do you provide that value and what does that look like? And, and, um, and guys like he and, and Mike Lane, and they're all just really good people. And they've done so much for the Vermont community, you know, after their success at Dealer, it's impressive. Right. Cause Rick, Rick was one of the co-founders at Dealer and then the, the last CEO president there. And then went on to work at Cox uh, as well. So yeah. nice to see he's recovered and, and helping out. Yeah, it's a good great. thing. Well, and I, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm, uh, I think it means a lot that uh, he looks at our mission and feels the same passion about it that I do and everyone else does. So has that allowed you to to go to go back and really specialize on sort of things that really um, not only you're passionate about but but your skill set you can you can sort of focus in because because you know when you build and lead you the peanut butter gets spread pretty broadly. Um, did you feel that? Biggest biggest lessons are, are around that. So when when I um when I you know left UVM retired from UVM and 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 uh, Stephen Healy and I started Margolis Healy that company grew and, and that company was actually acquired in 2017. We had an exit to uh, one of the one of the country's if not the world's largest law firms out of Philadelphia acquired it as part of their strategy for school safety and and um, learned a lot about scaling and building a consulting company and kind of what that looked like. But at the end of the day, very much based on the skills that, that, um, that Stephen and I had in campus public safety and having been police chiefs and such. Um, and then, you know, you, you, that peanut butter analogy is great, right? So then you, you know, we, we, I move into the tech space. It kind of grows out of the experiences of Margolis Healy, and we begin to, to grow what we're growing in, in, in Social Sentinel. And, you know, at some point, you get to a level where you realize – you know, what do I know about scaling a product team? What do I know about scaling a marketing team? What do I know about, um, and I'm, you know, very clear about what I'm good at and what I'm not good at, you know, as it goes. And so... It's good leadership. Well, you got to, look, you, you know, I've said this before, and, and some of my, you know, my colleagues will either roll their eyes or shake their heads, depending. Um, you got to check your ego at all moments, right? I mean, if it's if, if it's all about you, you got something's not right. <laughs> so so um, in this case, with, with Rick coming on board... I was able and I am able to be where I think I'm most effective writ large, which is in the field, talking to um, schools and universities and, you know, talking to folks like yourself um, about why it's important that we do what we do and and what does that look like. And I think um, uh, that's been one of the greatest gifts that, that he has brought. But also we have a great executive team. You know, we have a really talented uh, chief revenue officer, really talented chief product officer, really talented chief legal officer. I mean, we've really been able to attract some really quality people. Um, and then that filtered into the organization where we were able to take in folks, you know, who are talented in their spaces. And so all of that allows each of us to do, I think, do our jobs better, you know, kind of where we're at. And I think too, like I, you know, having sort of known you peripherally, like your whole leadership team seems to me is just attracting a higher quality of people because they all have such great reputations. Hundred um, percent, and I probably I don't want to, I, I don't want to dismiss I I forgot to mention our VP for finance, so he's amazing too. So I just want to make sure the totally, whole team on the executive totally. gets where it goes. But that's that's huge. I mean, having that reputation 
you know, without even knowing you really personally, I've sent people like you should check out this company to work for because you guys have that reputation of like, of course. And I, you know, I think that is something that is only becoming more important to people, like being the type of company that people would want to work for. And, you know, when a guy like, um, you know, uh, like Rick or some of the other leaders in the company that, that are with us, um, when, when, you know, when they raise their hand and say, gee, we're looking for some smart people to do blah, 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 their Rolodex and, what, right. like you said, what they attract, um, these are some of the most important lessons I've taken away from, you know, um, from do- I, I kind of joke if I survive this tech company and I, you know, and I, and, I, and I live through it and do another one down the road, um, I think some of the lessons that, you know, I take is um, just how important those um, relationships are. And, and the, other, the other piece that, I, that I've learned that I think has been, for me, um, an, I think a valuable epiphany, if that's the thing. So when I would hire police officers, when I became a police officer, I say, like, "You want to be a police officer? We hire you. We send you to to Pittsford, Vermont, for Club Pittsford for four months of learning how to be what you're going to be." So by the time I get you back into the police department, um, y- you've already been enculturated into what it is that this profession does. What I've come to appreciate and, and have great respect for Rick and Mike and, and Mark Bonfigli and the folks over at Dealer and what they did is that there is no academy that you send people to necessarily to get enculturated into what business you're going to – so you have to create that and it's a little bit different. And so having those right people and, and, and having that team where they need to be and creating that culture is deliberate where I took it maybe a little bit for granted up the hill because – I gave you a uniform, you graduate the police academy, right. go to work, you kind of know what you got to do type thing. So, Dave, are we the police academy for entrepreneurship? 100%. Because I'm trying to make that happen. Boy, 100%. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I was thinking you're at that flywheel stage, right, where you, you now have a culture that's set and there's 40 or more people, now 50, that breathe it, live it, exemplify it, and that just creates its own momentum, right? And you step forward and, you know, in terms of co-working and our innovation spaces, when we had 40 people in this space, when we reached that, we did it slowly. Then it took a life of its own. It's kind of cool, Pe- right? People help one another. They do their own events. Yeah. There's like 100-odd events that go around in That's our awesome. facilities, and it's, it's just tough to catch up. And then it becomes more of a curation exercise yeah. rather than a creation Oh, exercise. And that's how come when I, I look at companies, you know, and not, you know, the companies like, you know, like dealer and those in the area that have had that kind of success around building that culture, I have a deep appreciation for the work that goes into creating that. I have a different angle on that. And, you know, there have been many times, again, one of the benefits of of, of, of being able to work with Rick and, and having him on board as our president is for me to be able to look at him and say, you know, so this is what it looked like for you at this period. And he's like, yeah, this is, mm. and he goes and wait till we get to this period because it gets even cooler here, right? So it's, We've seen this movie is what happens. Right. right? And yeah. so having people on the team who've seen that movie is kind of cool. Because, Comforting you know. too, right? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I would say the other thing you said, uh, Gary, that was interesting was, you know, now what you're doing, you're back out in the wild in the field and talking with customers and prospective partners. Um, you're where you should be, right? Back to that teacher-student analogy again, right? You're, you went to them, and I think that's... Um, that's that's something that's really exciting that I wanted to kind of talk to you a little bit about too. Is you know Dave and I have been working with folks on on getting the customer in front of them, right? That's huge. And you know, for your business, and you talked about how you guys have decided to focus on schools, which obviously makes sense. How did you get those first? 
20 customers? Like what, where did you start? Cause I think that's one of the things that we hear from entrepreneurs about is they, you know, they, they're getting things going, they're starting to move and they're like, okay, now we need customers. Yeah, and, and what was their, what was their need, right? Were they afraid? Were they just being proactive? Had there been some event that they reacted yeah. to? Do you recall? Yeah. Um, we, you know, right out of the gate, first of all, education, selling into education is an interesting, um, it's a different culture and mindset, right? It, these are, it's a very mission-based um, profession or, or culture, right? Where we're, we're developing minds, we're providing safe spaces for, you know, the development of human beings. And, and so um, the motivation in that space is service right is, is kind of what it looks like so you're, you're not you're not those those folks aren't making motivated or making decisions based on um you know how much money they'll make or or as such in, in the way that looks um so you have to be you have to find a way in and it's a very trust-based culture so um you have to in the beginning really you have to know someone that has to be you you're trading on relationships so in the beginning you know, I had a Rolodex of my own connections. You know, we, our chief revenue officer, uh, Brendan, is, uh, you know, the master at these relationships in the education space, right? And and came with um, the ability to have not only a Rolodex, but to have salespeople because he built his own career selling into education, ed tech. And so it really started with that seed of early adopters. And, and you know, education's a, 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 a profession, again, where if you get into that, that initial seed and you and you meet expectations and you service them well, it takes root and it's and ever it's it's evergreen in many ways. Once once you're a part of it and you're delivering value, you, you they tend not to to get rid of you type type of a thing. But it's harder to get in. There are longer sales cycles. Right. right? There's longer. That's what I was going to say. Is like education is very well known for being a super long sales cycle. And that, I mean, that can't be easy when you're starting off, right? No, it's, it's not at all. And, you know, many of our early, you know, I, I, I went on a, you know, we raised money through some traditional means and angels and friends and family and bootstrap part of it and such. But when I went out for venture capital and I, you know, I think I met with 75 venture capital firms and, you know, they're the group that was, well, you're too early for us. And then there's a group that you're too late for us. And then there's a group that's like, well, we're focused on medical stuff. And then I'm like, well, how come I met with you? But then there's that, right? And then, and then there's the group that said, this is like education's one of the hardest ever, right? Um, and then there's the group that says, oh, we actually understand education, so this doesn't scare us. So it's finding that pathway through um, and then having to make decisions about how to be lean, how to be scrappy, how to... How to make sure you're accounting for lumpiness in in you know in in the financial models because of annual subscriptions and so all of that just you know the, the I didn't have a guidebook per se um, right. I, I think we just found some really smart people along the way that could you know kind of help figure out kind of what that looked like. Well, they say the fifth or sixth company is the charm. Is so, so yeah, <laughs> hate to, hate to, you're about the mid innings. Sorry. Okay, <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, but I, I do think you make a, a great point about just the sheer numbers of conversations and, and outreach to investors you go through. <clears throat> I mean, the exception is one conversation, one investor, it's done, right? It's uh, How many happen. years are you fundraising? doesn't happen that way. Um, gosh, you know, we're six years old now. It's, uh, we're in our fifth or sixth year, and we pivoted twice, um, which is a whole other mixture. You know, you pivot when the market requires you to pivot and such. So we, we probably raised, we were in fundraising mode for four years, three, four years at different stages along the way. Um, And, you know, responding to changes in the market, pivoting, requiring more resources or this or so, you know, it's, 
it's that scrappiness that you gotta, you know, I say to entrepreneurs who've asked, I said, just, just believe in what you're doing and, and stay focused on what you believe in and, and, you know, just stay at it. Like it's just, it's just perseverance. It's, you know. Do you, do you wish you wouldn't have had to have gone for outside investors or are you happy with the value beyond capital that they've brought? I are, the the large the 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 largest investors that we have, which are ones of private equity, um, and out of Boston, and they're phenomenal people. And then one is a venture capital out of New York City that focuses on SaaS companies, um, and they're amazing people. They bring wisdom and resources that um, we've been able to leverage. You know, one prides itself on a platform for its entrepreneur founders where, you know, you can talk to each other. You kind of like, it's kind of like this visa, right? right? I can, you get feedback yeah, with other, get feedback, other folks in the right, trenches if, or if I need, uh, you know, post jobs or if I need to figure out, you know, um, you know, what's the market rate for a blah, blah, blah. I mean, that kind of stuff. They just provide some really, you know, services like you do discounts on Amazon because they, you know, the Amazon web services because they're so big and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, you know, that was, that was helpful. We have, but, but, you know, our earlier investors, a lot of angels and, and small, you know, I, I'm as grateful to them because they, they believed in us, right? They, they believed in me, right? They said, we, we, we get it and we like it. And so, um, it's, um, overall a blessing to have people who are, you know, wanting to, to be a part of this, you know, and then investor management is again, another area where, you know, I, I didn't have a course in the, at the police academy in that, right? So you're, you're trying to figure out what's the best way to communicate right, right. with your... Riot person. control, right. right exactly. <laughs> Same right. skills, I mean, calm it down, yeah, it's calm all good, it down. Right. Exactly, it's all right, good. right, right, it's all good. All Just good. let me fix Moving these ahead. problems, we're good. So one of the questions I want to ask is what what has been sort of the public's reaction to your work? Are they aware of it? And has it been generally positive or negative? Yeah, so in the beginning, um, it was a lot of us versus the the privacy, you know, folks. Even though we would say till we were blue in the proverbial, you know, gills, we, we, you know, we don't surveil, we don't monitor, we're looking at public content, we're not scraping. I could say that over and over and over and over again. Um, and there was a lot of focus on, you know, privacy and privacy. And, you know, I mean, I would say things like, you know, your Nest thermostat knows more about you than we do, right? I mean, all that kind of I'm stuff. I was just going to say the yeah. inconsistency of what it's, we view as privacy is, is crazy. It, it is. And so the original interviews that I would do um, would focus on that. And frankly, I tried to avoid media interviews in the very beginning for as long as I could because I, I couldn't run the risk that they were going to get it wrong, which many of them did. Yeah. Um, and... Then I get a call from, you know, one of the social media companies saying, we read this. And I'm like, that, that's not accurate. And I can't control what they write, right? right. I mean, so we had to do a lot of, of Just of say that. fake news, hashtag yeah. fake news, and you're good now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. What a, what a hard balance, you know, as a startup wanting to get attention, wanting to get press and really trying to control Com- the completely message. Completely great. It was absolutely, most startups want to be out in the news and get all the free press. And we were like, I got to just stay below the radar. And then we got to a point where it began to kind of transition. And the transition was stories like Don Daler from CBS News coming up that aired nationally and, you know, and, you know, CBS News calling us an innovative solution and CNN being like, this is an innovative solution. And so we, we've seen the tra- transition. Do I still run into, you know, you know, interviews that I do where they're, you know, focused on, you know, civil libertarians say this. And I have to remind folks that I don't disagree with the privacy issues that they're raising. I'm actually, you know, we, we, we're careful about that. And so more than not, it's shifted away from that. But, you know, what the was the alternative? Not 
Well, you know, I, I got not I looking and well, seeking and trying an to take obvious. Yeah, they asked me, you know, what do you say to people who who you know who claim that you know you're giving people's you know social media data to 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 to, to government ent- to a government entity? And I said, I, can I ask you something? I said, so a school superintendent who wants to ensure a safe community and help someone who may be crying out for help um, in any way, shape, or form, whether it's targeting someone else or themselves as such implements us as a part of their strategy and we help them save someone's life and they're the government entity that you're talking about that's going to get i mean really i think yeah. i'm a lot more bold now than i was back then to really just call bs and yeah. be like this makes no, no sense you don't have me. time for that shit i don't have time that's exactly right <laughs> and 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 we get phone i mean lexington you know uh fayette county schools it's in the it's in the the news just recently you know was able to intervene and prevent something bad from happening you know because of our our service and it feels pretty good. And, you know. I was going to say, if if your service works the majority of the time, you're never going to hear about it. You, you, you right. will, but the public won't know. Right, um, exactly. I mean, I had a school superintendent say to me at one point, you know, he called me and he said, I want to let you know that we, we intervened in, in pre- preventing something bad from happening. And, I, and he told me a little bit about it. You know, we don't get a lot of that feedback only because, you know, uh, FERPA, family, you know, privacy laws in schools, you know, they're not going to yep. share that with us, I'm saying. But he said, I just want to let you know that I lift weights with that kid three days every week in the mornings. I had no idea. And if Social Sentinel hadn't alerted us to what he was thinking about doing online, because that's where he was leaking that information, I would have missed it. And that bad thing would have happened. And I would have had to live with myself that I, you know. Missed it. Right. Three days a week at 6 a.m. I'm with him. And I didn't know any of this. Right. So. Do you have any, uh, you don't have to name them, but any, any Vermont? Schools? Yeah, we do. Yeah, okay. we, uh, we do. We do have Vermont schools, um, and uh, which means a lot because you know we are um, you know we're we're very committed you know nationwide, and I want to be committed here. In fact, um, uh, you know I'll, I'll 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 announce it here, so you'll get the break on it first. But we are intending to um, offer our Share It tool, which is our kind of um, you know our ability to share uh, the the safety climate, you know, report the good, the bad, the sad, and such. We want to give it to every every school district in the in the state for free for for a period of time. And actually, I'm talking with the Department of Education about that. Right. How do we provide that? Because I just think Hell yeah. we want to give back to our our state, right? This well, is where I we think are. in our our state was rocked last year yeah. when Tough. when that that totally. incident nearly happened. And right. um, hard stuff. Um, the, just the general political climate, the general angst in the world, the the rise in hate crimes and, and nationalism, and I, I mean. Is your graph like going off the chart? Yes. Like, can you <laughs> yeah. just explain just just from what you've seen and been able to prove through just data alone? Yeah, um, you know, and and independent of political leanings, and I always um, work to stay agnostic in, in conversations around that. Whether you like um, our current president or don't, uh, the rise of hate language on social platforms um, grew significantly. After his election, I mean, our system was ingesting um, even more information than we would have expected um, uh, or thought we would have gotten around hate language, hate speech, you know, um, you know, uh, hatred, you know, LGBTQA hatred issues, right? Anti-Semitism. It's just like everyone thought, you know, for whatever reason and however the social scientists are better at understanding this than maybe me, that they would just talk more about this this stuff. And so it went right through the roof, um, which you know, helped us evolve our own technology even faster because it gave us even more data for our machine <laughs> yeah, learning and our artificial to intelligence yeah, to, right. you know, to work with. And so, you know, there was, there was, you know, some learning that happened there. I think I just had to ask this question because it, I mean, you guys see, I'm sure some 
horrible shit every day. Yep. How do you how do you yourself stay positive and how do you kind of keep morale high when you guys are dealing with the worst yeah. things imaginable, really? Yeah, so, you know, I spent a whole career before this one um, dealing with bad things. And so it's, you know, I, 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 I've been there. I've, you know, I've seen things. I've had to do things that have required my own mental health checks with, you know, counselors and stuff, which because every emergency service worker should get tuned up from the things they see. What I didn't foresee, and this is this is interesting, uh, just in is that, um, you know, we have um, we have a whole team of data scientists and analysts. And we really have, again, some really talented people across the board and our data scientists and our analysts are in the system, right, working on the algorithms and all the things that they do. And they come across things. And I didn't appreciate, um, although it, it, it's a predictable surprise. And I, I, I said to myself after I realized that, gee, how come I didn't see that? You, you have to take care of those folks, right? You got to make sure that they're getting the support they need um, because they're seeing stuff that is just rough. I mean, you know, I, you know, we, it's just tough. And so, um, so yeah, we're, 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 we're beginning to pay a lot more attention to, you know, to someone who might say, you know, I've been looking at, you know, I've been looking in the data science queue, blah, 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 and I found this kind of stuff and look at what's trending to be able to say, you know, look, I want make sure you're okay. And let's yeah. give you resources that you can choose to be, a, you know, make avail yourself to, to be able to help with that. It's, it's, it's not something I fascinating. Yeah. Right. Without, uh, Human to human interaction. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's 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 vicarious. Uh, what do they call it? Vicarious trauma, or you know, it's the well, maybe not even vicarious. Maybe it's just direct. You see this stuff. You know, and we used to have the ticker tape of doom that was running for a while, and we would just see all the worldwide oh hate stuff coming through, and you just you know you look at it and go, geez, not even that it's not even associated with the client, just the things just running, and you're looking at it going, what is going on? Like who's saying those things? I mean, it's but it's out there. I yeah. mean, it's. It's being shared. All kinds of things are being said. Um, and, and, you know, and a lot of it can be tied to, look, 40% of school violence between, you know, 2014 and 16 was the last data set, I believe. 40% of school violence was um, uh, foreshadowed on social platforms. 40% at the time. Wow. wow. How mean, much advance warning? You know, is this like 24 hours or you see it weeks in advance? Do you have a sense? If, in, uh, no, imminent. If our system, we get the data feeds constantly. If our system is, is scanning the public data, the public posts and email, which is a, a product that schools, you know, literally, you know, hook our engine into, it's happening in near real time. If we, when we get the data... We scan it, identify it, associate it, send it. It's it's happening quick. So you have imminent sort of threats you can pass on, or these sort of longer lead up. You yeah discussions. You see the, you see the signals yeah. or the patterns. Right, so we're looking and we're saying this is trending. You know, this is trending in the community. There's angst around this. So you know, so something bad happens locally, regionally, nationally. The conversation is happening at the school for an extended period of time. Our system gives the superintendent for, at a K twelve level insight to be like, this conversation is really trending right now. We're going to deploy mental health counselors for the kids or for the students, but we recognize that this is likely to go on for longer than we would have thought. Our system gives them access to that zeitgeist, to that kind of, so it's not just the imminent, it's the, this is happening, you got, this is what your community is concerned about around safety and security. Just be aware of what that is and then respond appropriately. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, my wife and I are parents of teenagers in schools and literally when you go to School meetings, uh, we're like, what do you need? Thinking a computer, you know, packages. She's like, I need walls and a door. 
And, I, and it, it hit me about an hour later. I'm like, what was she talking about? I'm like, oh, it's for lockdowns, right? And so that's the age we're in, and I, I think I'm encouraged that people are listening and helpful, and, and the trade-off, uh, again, for saving lives is, is well it's worth important. this sort of illusion of privacy, I think, that, that we're in. Um, you mentioned mentors twice, I think. Is there anybody you can point to that really uh, played a role as a mentor in, in your professional career? Yeah, um, early on, and I, God, I, I hope he's, gosh, I hope he's, you know, I don't know if he would listen, but I, I hope he would know this. Um, Brian Searles was the chief Brian of police. Brian Searles, at, yeah. Was the chief of police at, um, at, uh, at South Burlington when he hired me out of college to be a police officer there. And um, for most of my adult life, I didn't make a um, an important career choice unless I called Brian up and said, "What do you think of this?" Right, and and he he has been you know um, early on and and to this day that one of my early mentors, and I've had a few others, you know, Robert Nash at UVM, my my uh, my graduate you know, professor, Bob Tisber, my undergraduate advisor. Um, these are these are folks that took you know great care in my development and cared about me, and so I. I, I I like to think I I'm trying to pay it forward, um, you know, when I can when I have that opportunity to do so, um, and so I'm certainly grateful to, to folks like that. Um, yeah. So. Well, thank you for That's doing awesome. that. All right, Gary, we're we're here. We made it. Magic wand question time. If you could change one thing about Vermont today, what would it be? I really want a kosher deli. <laughs> Well, it just closed. I right? know. I, I, I it was really, gone. The Montreal one, I, right? I really miss having access to a kosher deli. You know, I mean, I, you know, I. What a reasonable request! I just want a good pastrami sandwich, some half sours. You know, um, you know, I just, you know, some chopped liver. I, I, I know. It's, yeah. it's, you know, that 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 part of me, that the the, the Jewish part it's, of me, is craving. It's spring. You know, right? It's craving. Yeah. And we'll so. we'll see what we can do. We're gonna put this podcast out. <laughs> yeah. See only for answers. the reason to see if Kosher we can deli. get you a deli. And, and, you know, I hope it doesn't sound, you know, too superficial. I mean, I know there's, you know, world peace and all these other important things that I would, you know, want, which are all You're important. already doing That's your day that. job. Yeah. That's your day so, job. So the kosher deli pass. is the... Is the uh, you get a pass on the, on the serious Batman answer. Needs to eat, right? That's... Hey, look, you know, I know, right? And then, you know, so many kosher delis are closing around the country, so it's just sad. Uh, Gary, thank you for, for making the time, and, and it's been awesome to watch this journey just through the Thanks. iterations for six-plus years now, and I, I can't even wait. We'll probably have to, like, really plan to talk with them next time. Cause I know. Let's book in, like, two years Once they get to advance. scale, then, it, then it's like, well, you got to go to my people. <laughs> oh, you'll, you'll, you'll always be my people. That, that's how that goes. All right. Well, we'll get Aww. some kosher food and, yeah, right. uh, and a couple beers on a Friday. <laughs> Perfect. So. This has been Start Here with Sam and Dave, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. The series has been made possible by the Vermont Technology Council and Consolidated Communications. Follow us on Twitter at VSET, that's V-C-E-T. Thanks for listening, be kind on social, and let's get back to work.